All right. Praise the Lord. Let's begin with prayer. We love you. Lord, we thank you for thy word. We thank you for everything that you are doing in the midst of us. And we want to focus our thoughts, our intentions, our will upon your will and upon your purpose here. And I ask, Lord, that you will continue to build thy word and that you will put your word into the hearts of your people. It is so important, Lord, especially as we enter these last of the last days, Lord, that we have an understanding of your scripture, of the Bible, of your word, and what our purpose is, is uh, in the word and what we must look out for, Lord, in these last days. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we are in Matthew part 21 of thy word, and uh, thy word has been on a hiatus for summer break, and it's good to be back. Uh, we left off in Matthew chapter 11, where we discussed martyrdom and the very real possibility that we may have to give even our lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now, during our time off, an interesting thing happened, and I'm sure se several of you have seen it. Um, several members of the United States Congress interviewed uh, members of uh, military and intelligence agencies about the existence of UFOs and alien encounters, which is pretty astounding. If you're my age, anyone who would have done that 20, 30 years ago would have been considered to be on the fringe and maybe even a little bit crazy. Um, but I, for one, found this to be troubling because I am aware that the scriptures say that there will be a great deception in the last days. And it seems to me that this is part of that deception. By and large, the world has rejected the preached gospel of the one who came from heaven to earth in order to save mankind. Yet the same ones who rejected the true one from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, are more than well willing to accept that alien beings will come from the heavens and offer us a way to peace. And many who deny that God created the heavens and the earth are more than happy to say that aliens are the ones who actually caused or made the genesis of life on our planet. Um, this, in my opinion, is a rejection of truth and the subsequent acceptance of a lie, a deception. And the prevalence of this uh, causes me to believe that we are in the very last of the last days. I do not want to deviate too far from Matthew 11, but we come to a point here that sheds light on what is happening in the world Today, How many people have seen these? Uh, I mean, it's been everywhere. It's been all over social media where they're actually talking about how they have these UFOs and they have bodies inside the crafts and that whole thing. Uh, that, that's what I, a little bit. And I'm not going to get deep into that. I really don't want to talk about aliens and UFOs. I think that becomes a pitfall. What I'd really rather talk about is what the Word of God says. And so we're going to look at the Word of God, and we are in Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 20. And, and the Bible says, Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So Jesus is there. He's in their midst. They're looking at the Lord himself. They're hearing his words, 
and they do not repent. And he gives them this warning. He says, but I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Sodom was more righteous than Capernaum, according to the Lord himself. Because they would have repented, but Capernaum did not. But I say uh, to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So Jesus here shows that the sinful cities of the ancient world, Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom, will be judged according to the measure of knowledge uh, of God that was available to them in their day. On the other hand, the cities of his own day, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, uh, Capernaum, sorry, I'm saying it in Hebrew, will be uh, judged according to the much greater measure of knowledge granted to them through his personal uh, presence and ministry. For this reason, the judgment of these cities who should have known him, I mean, he was there who actually heard his words and beheld his mighty works will be much more severe than the judgment of the cities that did not know him our god is an equitable judge okay he knows how to judge and he's not going to judge more harshly than is necessary and he understands that if you do not know you cannot be held responsible as much as one that does know do you understand? And that's what he's saying here. And we who are alive today will be judged by the measure of light and knowledge available to our generation. For those of us who live in countries with a long uh, uh, history of Christianity, like the United States and other westernized countries, there is a greater measure of knowledge of the Word of God available to us than there has ever been to any previous generation in the history of the world. I want you to think about that. There is more access. There is more of the gospel being presented in our time and in our nation, in our civilization, in the westernized world than ever in the history of the entire planet. And for this reason, the standards by which, which we will be judged will be the highest of them all. Because we have greater light, we have greater knowledge, we will be judged at a higher standard. And Jesus elaborated on this principle in the parable of the servants in Luke 12, uh, beginning at verse 46. Jesus said, The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he is not Aware. Now, this is the wicked servant who did not do the will of his master and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will. Now, listen to that. He knew the will of his master and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Okay, there is a judgment that is coming. And on this particular servant who knew what the will of the master was and then chose not to do it, okay, he would receive 
a punishment. But he who did not know, yet committeth things deserving of strife, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. There is greater knowledge and there is more given to this generation of people in the United States, in Great Britain, in Canada, than on any other time of the earth. And I'm going to tell you right now, had the gospel that we preach been preached in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. They're not more righteous, or we're not more righteous than they are. In many ways, we are less righteous. And that depends on how God judges. So the judgment on the one who knew his master's will and did not do it was far more harsh than the servant who did not know his master's will and also did not do it. So the action or inaction was the same. They did the same thing. They committed the same sin, but the punishments were different based on the available knowledge. And we often consider... Uh, the world today to be somehow more righteous than the historical Sodom, which was destroyed for the wickedness of its inhabitants. But I want you to understand that Sodom did not reject the truth. Sodom never knew the truth. Sodom had a preacher, but he was a weak preacher. God bless righteous lot. But they did not have the preaching that this generation has, that this, that, that our generation, that our people have the church of god or what we call christendom in uh, the united states of america we have heard preaching at least most of us two days a week some of us more we have access to it on our cell phones everywhere we go we have access to the word of god and can i tell you that you will be judged and i will be judged according to that my friend if you haven't read your bible i'm, I'm just and I, i'm not bringing judgment on you we have a Christian freedom. I understand that. But my friend, if you have never read your Bible and you have been in church for more than five years, there is something wrong with your spiritual growth. We love the author of the Bible. So we should love the Bible. Amen? Praise God. We love this Word of God because we love the author who wrote it. Uh, so not only are the societies of today as unrighteous as Sodom was, but we have more knowledge of the Lord and his word than Sodom had. And Jesus said uh, that if his ministry, his mighty works, his miracles had been done in Sodom, they would have repented and remained. I want you to realize what Jesus is saying here. He's saying Sodom would have accepted me. Because they would have repented. Sodom would have accepted me. But you are going to reject me. And that's going to lead to trouble in Israel like they have never even seen. And I, I don't want to get too much in the history of Israel, but Israel before this time had a history of coming to God and by laying down their idols and becoming servants of God only then to, to turn wicked again and begin to turn to these other gods and worship them and to sacrifice their children to them. And the Lord each time would have to deal with them. 
and, and, and for the nation of Israel, Israel and Judah, we had two nations at this time. Israel was divided into Judah and Israel. Israel was taken into Assyria, never to return again. And Judah was taken into Babylon and returned after 70 years. And it was there in Babylon that they learned never to be idolaters again. And to this day, Israel does not worship idols. But God continually uh, sent them out, and then he would bring them back. And finally, there was a final rejection of him that is happening here. And we're going to see a change here in Matthew 12, when we get to Matthew 12, as the king, the son of man, the son of David, we're not there yet, brother, comes to his own, and his own receive him not. As John said, he was the light. But men chose darkness rather than light. Because of this, the warning Jesus gave to them was fulfilled in 70 A.D. when Israel, including Jerusalem, was surrounded by the Roman armies. They were destroyed. And the Israelites were scattered throughout the entire world. They were gone. The nation of Israel was left completely desolate. Jerusalem was a heap. The temple was nothing but stones. Not one stone of the temple was left upon another stone, exactly like Jesus said would happen, because they rejected their Messiah. And this time began the time of the Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, raise your hand. I think it's pretty much everybody, right? Praise God. So this became your time, and it became my time and it's a beautiful thing for us because when they finally rejected the gospel Paul turned away from them and went to the Gentiles instead and because of their rejection of the Messiah we had a time to receive him and that time has been going on for nearly 2,000 years praise the Lord isn't God good amen it is the time of the Gentiles and Jesus prophesied in Luke chapter 21, verse 24, concerning the people of Israel, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. Do you think he knew this? He did. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. This happened to Israel because they rejected their Messiah and the preaching of the gospel, and that once again opened the door to the gospel being preached to the Gentiles. And Israel was out of the land of Israel for at least 1,800 years, and Jerusalem was being trampled by the Gentiles, who were the non-Jews who dwelt there in the place of the Israelites. And this continued until the 1900s, when the Jewish people felt the call to return home. And then a miraculous thing happened. It was a restoration of Israel as a nation in 1948. And a people who had been scattered to every nation on the earth, they were everywhere, and they spoke all of the languages of those people, and many of them even were assimilated into those societies. When they came back to Israel, they all started speaking Hebrew again. They learned Hebrew. And so now we have a nation for the first time in the history of the world that has gone out, dispersed. Let me tell you, if I were to take you and your family and disperse you guys all throughout the world, and I came back a hundred years later, they'd all be assimilated. They'd all be speaking the same language. They'd, they, they, wouldn't even, they probably wouldn't even know who you were. But God brought 
them back. That means the time of the Gentiles is coming to an end. What does that mean, Brother Taylor? It means God is going to return to Israel. God made Israel promises in the Old Testament that are irreversible promi uh, promises. And, and they have nothing to do with how good, how righteous, or perfect Israel is. The God, God Himself made Abraham an unconditional promise that he and his seeds would possess that land forever. And God is going to return his attention first to Israel. And I believe that that is happening right now. And may I say uh, that God turned to the Gentiles for a time. It was a season. And may I say that it is only for a time and that that time will come to an end. As the nation of Israel uh, rejected the truth, now, I want to show you that there are patterns in the Bible. We've already been through Genesis. We've been through Exodus. We've seen the patterns, right? God is a God of patterns. He is a God of similitudes. Okay? He is a God who uh, uh, acts. He, he acts out a thing before that thing is done. As we remember the story of Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac being taken up to Mount Moriah, the father bringing his only begotten son as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah, but the Lord, the angel of the Lord stayed his hand, and, and, and Abraham said the Lord would provide himself a lamb. And we know that 2,000 years later, the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, carried the wood to that very place and was sacrificed for you and me, the propitiation for our sins. God played this out. It was a, an, uh, uh, it was a play. It was a similitude of what would happen. And we see these similitudes all throughout the Scripture. And Israel is a similitude of the church. Everything that is written about Israel is for our admonition and instruction. And if you follow them very closely you will see a parallel between them, what they went through in the physical realm, and what the church goes through in the spiritual realm. And in the physical realm, Israel ultimately rejected the truth. And in the spiritual realm, for a large part, and there's always a remnant, there was a remnant in Israel, the Christianity, the, the Christian kingdom, the kingdom, the Christendom of the United States and the westernized world will reject the Lord. And for that reason, he will turn to Israel. Just as he turned from Israel toward us, he will turn from us and back to Israel. And that will start the time clock, God's time clock of the end of this Age. And you say, Brother Taylor, that sounds a little far-fetched. Well, why don't we look at what the Scripture says? Let's look at what Paul said in Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Brother uh, Galoni talked about the coming of the Lord yesterday. It's a wonderful thing. Jesus Christ is coming. 
Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Now, that is what we call the rapture. It's the gathering together to him. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ, and I want you to understand as a thy word student, that I actually call the rapture the day of Christ, the day of Christ, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the day of the Lord, because that's what Paul says it is. It is the day of the Lord, and we will, when we get to that, we'll probably get to that a little bit in Acts chapter 1, uh, because the two men in white apparel, were, as Jesus was taken up into heaven, looked at him, looked up at the men, and said to the men, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So the first promise that we had was that Jesus would return, and he would return the same way he left. And he left on the Mount of Olives, outside of the eastern gate in Jerusalem, and he was received up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And the Bible says that the God of Israel is going to come to Israel, and he's going to come in clouds of glory, and he's going to set his foot on the Mount of Olives, and he's going to enter through the eastern gate. So that is how the Lord is returning. That was the first promise. And that is also called the day of the Lord. Zechariah, Zechariah calls that the day of the Lord. So uh, Paul says, let no one deceive you by any means. Paul is speaking of the coming of the Lord here, and he warns us of deception. Okay? Don't let anyone, let no one deceive you by any means. Not by UFOs, not by aliens, not by any of these things. They're all rejections of the truth. Only one came from heaven to bring peace to mankind. And he wasn't an alien and a UFO. He was the Lord from glory. And uh, so Paul is speaking of, a, uh, of the coming of the Lord here and warns us of deception. Let no one deceive you by any means. And he continues in explanation for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. So Paul is telling us there are certain things that must happen before the coming of the Lord. And one of those things, he says, is the falling away comes first. And the term here for falling away is from a Greek word which means apostasy. And apostasy means to leave or to pervert the truth. So this is a truth issue or a deception issue. There is going to be a last day truth and a last day deception. Okay? And this falling away, this apostasy will come first. Paul continues, and the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition. Can anyone give me a name for that person? Judas. Oh, Judas was a son of perdition, but this is not who he's talking about. The Antichrist. The Antichrist, right. Now, do you actually know his name? Because we would really like to know it. <laughs> I don't know it either. But, <laughs> yeah, but what did he say? What did he say? <laughs> you guys want to have a little fun? I might have to edit this. I beheld Satan fall as lightning from the high places or the heights. In Isaiah, 
when it talks about Satan who fell from the heights, the word that's used is Bama. Bama for heights, it's higher places. It's not actually like the third heaven or, or, or the second heaven. It's Bama, it's a height. You know how you say lightning? Barak. I beheld Satan fall, ki Barak Obama. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that this guy whose name is lightning from the heavens is that one. But it's just an interesting thing, isn't it? So, praise God. If you voted for Barack Obama, God bless you. Look, I've heard this stuff my entire life. Uh, Ronald Wilson Reagan was 666, and, and I, I'm sure they have one for Biden, too. Amen. But uh, I'm just letting you know, in the Hebrew, when I saw that, I went, uh-oh. Praise God. And so the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all. And by the way, I did share that with Dr. Paris, and he agreed. That is what it says. Um, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. This is someone who wants to be worshipped like God, right? This is someone who says, I will be worshipped like God. He's a son of perdition. He is the man of sin. And uh, we will recall that in Genesis chapter 3 we had the prophetic word from God himself speaking to the serpent and the woman when the judgment for sin was declared by God. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Women do not have seed. If we go strictly by the Bible, it's the men who have the seed. How would a woman have a seed? How would a woman give birth without the seed of the man? It was a virgin birth. God himself right now is looking forward in time at the virgin birth. He will bruise your head, serpent, and you shall bruise his heel. And we talked about the crucifixion and how the nails were actually not driven through the front of the foot, but through the heel of the foot. You will bruise his heel. Heal, and he will bruise your head. We understand who the seed of the woman was and uh, how this uh, prophesied a virgin birth and the seed of the serpent would bruise his heel. We went through this in the book of Genesis and we know that this spoke of Calvary. And there is the seed of the woman. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the son of man. He is the son of David. He is the son of God. But more importantly, he is an individual. He is an actual person. So the seed of the serpent is logically what? An individual, an actual person. Right? Praise God. So I'm glad you're with me. So let's look at this. Now there have been... Um, many seeds of the serpent. Serpent. We'd call them the sons of the devil. Okay, can we say that? The sons of the devil. There have been many throughout history. In fact, Jesus told the Pharisees that they were of their father, the devil. He says, you're a seed of the serpent. You're a seed of your father, the devil, because they did the works of the devil. But though there have been many who were of the spirit of the devil, there is one man coming, the seed of the serpent, 
who will embody sin like none other before him. The seed of the woman was an individual, and so will be the seed of the serpent. Paul continues, do not... And why am I talking about this? Because we're talking about the rejection of the truth and the judgment that will come because they rejected the truth. And I know I'm going off a little bit here, but it's very, very important that we understand we must be discerning of the truth. Now, the Lord sent you out as sheep among wolves, but he wants you to be wise as a serpent. Don't be a dumb sheep. Don't believe everything that everybody says. Don't believe everything that Ricky Taylor says. In fact, if you believe everything that I say, you're a fool. I'm sorry, but you, you need to open your Bible. I don't want to call you a fool because I know you don't believe everything that I say, so I know there are no fools here. Check everything to the Scripture. Okay, this is what we do, and it's so important in the last days that we understand the Scripture so that we can judge properly. Uh, Paul continues, Do you not remember... When I was still with you, I told you these things, and, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. So this is restraining him. What is restraining him? There hasn't been a falling away. So the Antichrist cannot come yet because there hasn't been a falling away. Can I tell you that you're the only thing really preventing the Antichrist spirit from taking possession of this one called the Antichrist? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We are the ones. And unless there is an apostasy at such a level that the church is no longer light and no longer salt, he is prevented, he is kept back. And he is waiting for you to finally fall away. I'm not falling away. Uh -uh, I've got some choice words I want to give to the devil at the very end. Um, and I'm not, one of those words are going to be, we won. Hallelujah. We won. Uh, we will look upon him and we'll say, is this the one? Is this the man who caused nations to tremble? This guy. He'll be humbled and we'll be exalted and exalted to a position that we'll be able to actually talk smack. Isn't that beautiful? Praise the Lord. I, I, I guess it's okay that I hate the devil. Can I let you know that I do? I hate the devil. I hate the devil and he hates me. Um, so let's continue. And the lawless one, okay, so he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. You have to understand that Paul wrote in Greek and thought in Hebrew. And both Greek and Hebrew are very feminine words. So when you think of he, don't always think of a person. Uh, words are feminine. I believe that's a true in Spanish as well. Uh, and, and words are masculine. He's simply using a feminine word here that's being translated as he. But what's it talking about? It's talking about this church that is not apostate, but has the truth that is preventing the spirit of the Antichrist. We're holding it back. And can I say that if the spirit of the Antichrist begins to take place in any nation that we're in, it's our fault. We shouldn't look around and say, oh, things aren't the way they used to be. I remember back when, you know what, you need to get on your knees and pray and fast because it's our fault. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. It's our responsibility. Is that too hard? God, that's why we have to do this on Monday nights. Everybody will run away. Praise God. I don't want to be too hard to you, but I also want to be, I want to tell the truth. So, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. You know that beautiful? It's not even going to be a battle. 
It's going to show up and it's going to be like, oh, and I'm so bright you're dead. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. There's no war going on between the devil and God. No war at all, no battle. In fact, the devil is just a leash. Uh, He's on a leash, and God uses him as his left hand to accomplish his will. There, everyone in this room is going to accomplish the will of God. Every one of you. It is either by choosing to accomplish his will and submitting our wills to him, or it is by shaking our fist at him, and we will accomplish his will by doing that. Either way, we will accomplish his will. His will will be accomplished. And Satan is nothing more than a tool in God's toolbox to accomplish the final will of God. He's on a leash. And there's no war, and Satan cannot win, and he knows that the only thing that he can do is to fight us so that we don't shed the light we're supposed to, and he can continue to hold on to this time, to this age, where he's still a little God. Because as soon as this age ends, he's no longer a little God. He's a nothing because he chose to exalt himself. So the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, lying, deceiving, power, signs. If this man held a revival crusade, you couldn't get a ticket, you couldn't get a seat. Wow, do you hear what's going on over there? There's power, there's signs, and there's wonders. Now that's hard to fight against, right? It's, it's to, to say that, that, well, this man obviously has power. Look, power doesn't mean that you're right with God. The devil has power. And this one, this Antichrist, will have power and signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Thank God it's not among us. It's among those who perish. I don't believe that if you really are a son of God that you will be deceived. I don't even think it's truly possible. But it's going to be difficult. Even for us, we're going to have trouble. And we'll get into that why. But because they did not receive the love. Listen to this. They're perishing with with unrighteous deception, uh, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. You will either believe and receive the truth or you will believe and receive a lie. It will be one or the other. There is no in-between in God. He never gives a third option. God always says one or the other. And this is either deception or truth. And for this reason, Paul says, and for this reason, God will send them. Where does the strong delusion come from? God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. It's not a lie, it's the lie. There is a lie coming. And the lie is that this one is God. That this one is the Christ. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth. Once again, truth or deception but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So this guy comes with lying wonders, unrighteous deception, and those who do not love the truth will be deceived. Can I tell you, we have to have a love for the truth. 
We have to have a love for God's Word. Right? We have to love Him. And we have to love His truth. And if you love His truth, you will also love righteousness. I love righteousness. And in myself, I'm not righteous. The righteousness that I have comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no righteousness in Ricky Taylor. There's, I'm a fallen creature, and I get reminded of that daily, how fallen I am. And my cry to God is, Lord, that I might be righteous, that I might be clothed in your righteousness. And I want to be righteous here, but I know that I won't be fully made righteous until I'm in my new body, outside of this body of death. And that's my longing. If I had to stay in this world, it may as well, you may as well send me to hell. If I had to stay in this world the way it is for all eternity, you may as well have sent me to hell. Because this world is not my home. My home is waiting for me. And it's a new temple that I will dwell in and also in the presence of the Lord. So when Jesus came, he came as the truth. Right? And Paul says you, they will believe the lie. Well, Jesus is the truth. And he was speaking truth. And he was rejected by his own people. They rejected the truth. They did not love the truth. And we are living in a time when, and I, I say the battle between the kingdom of God. Now, there is a battle between the kingdom of God. There's no battle between God and the devil. It wouldn't last long. The God who said, let there be light, could say, let there be no Satan. That'd be it. In fact, as far as I can tell, it's not even necessarily a word that destroys him, but just the breath. That destroys the Antichrist, not the devil. But uh, we are living in a time when the battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. We are part of the kingdom of God. Of course, the entire kingdom of God is all of his angels, all of his glorious creatures, all of you know, all the, the throne of heaven itself. And we are part of that. We are the kingdom of God on earth and representatives of his kingdom and we are in a battle with the kingdom of Satan as we mentioned at the beginning of Matthew and it is coming to a climax it is coming to an end and the time is short I believe we are living in a time right now about which more scripture has been dedicated than any other Time. I believe we are returning, we are nearing the return of Jesus Christ and the final destruction of Satan's kingdom. And Christians, we need to be prepared for this time, both spiritually and in the knowledge of the Scripture. And I want to examine, we have a little bit of time, one of the main tactics of Satan's kingdom, a way that Satan has fought against God and the church of Jesus Christ, and against the truth. We talked a little bit about it. It is what John, in his first epistle, calls Antichrist. And we just talked about this one, the Antichrist. But there is more to this word than just the one who is the Antichrist. For instance, we have the Spirit of Christ, but we are not Christ. We are His body, but we are not Him. You understand? We have His Spirit. Well, there is a Spirit of Antichrist, And we're going to get a little bit into that. Once again, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 through 23. Now this is the epistle of John. So this is going to be found in the epistles. This is not the gospel of John. And John says, Little children, 
It is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour. John says, here we know it is the last hour because of the number of Antichrists which have come. And then he begins to describe these ones he labels as Antichrist. They went out from us. They went out from us. So they were part of us to come out from us. Is that right? And what does the Bible say about the great falling away? It, it's an apostasy. In order to be an apostate, you first had to be in the truth. You had to be in the church. Or you're not an apostate. Apostate. You're just somebody with another religion. But it's not until you leave the truth that you have committed apostasy. So he says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. They were called Christians, but they were not Christians. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Praise God that a Christian will continue with us. Amen. And that we have a promise from the Father that he can keep us and that our salvation can be secure and sure. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. They went out from us. So they were part of us. They were church members so to speak. This is why and I, you, you don't aren't in the office with us unless you're a minister, but I say this quite a bit. We don't need church members. We need disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church members will, will sink a ship because being a member doesn't mean you're a disciple. We need a disciple. We need people who are following the Lord and not all are. And this is what John says about them. That they were part of us, but they went out from us. For they were never truly part of the church. And John continues, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. Once again, the truth is the issue. I, You know the truth, and that no lie is of the truth. He says these are liars. They are apostates, once again. Remember, this is not Paul. This is John speaking the same truth. He's giving the same warning. And then he says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Do you see here that the issue once again is truth versus lie and truth versus deception? Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist then is deception. It's a lie and it is most importantly the word that we're going to use here, a counterfeit. It looks like Christian. It says it's Christian. It congregates like Christians. It has a pulpit like Christians. It has a man speaking behind the pulpit like Christians. But it's a deception and a lie. Amen. And we already talked about that. I think we've talked about that several times. Having a form of godliness but denying the power 
thereof from such turn away. Satan has always used the counterfeit. He doesn't directly oppose. He, 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 he camouflages. He pretends to be an angel of light. His ministers pretend to be ministers of light. It's a counterfeit. Guarantee you, most of his ministers are called reverend, father, and they have some respect among the world. Judge every man by the word of God. Is that too hard for you? Praise God. If I'm being too hard, just say, Brother Taylor, you're being too hard. All right? And then I'll tell you, you're being too soft. Praise God. <laughs> so let me explain shortly the real meaning of the term antichrist. The word Christ is from a Greek word, Christos, which in turn is from the Hebrew word Mashiach. And Mashiach is, is a word from which we get Messiah. And Mashiach simply means Hamashiach is the anointed one. And I actually saw this uh, first term used in description of the high priest. He was called Hamashiach, the anointed one. And he is the Messiah. By the way, the Messiah is the high priest. Isn't that beautiful? Anti, or for what we say antichrist, it, it is a Greek preposition and it has two meanings and both of them apply. First of all, it means against. So this one who comes in the spirit is against Christ. The second meaning is in place of. Together, the idea of antichrist is to put a false messiah or a false truth. In the, against and in the place of the true Messiah and the real truth. It's the great deception. It's the deception. It is the lie. It is the truth. And it is in place. And so that people now have a choice. And there are two sides to this phrase. And when you begin to recognize that, you'll see that the spirit of Antichrist is already very much among much of what we consider modern Christianity. If I can go to the church, God forgive me. Well, no, don't forgive me. I'm just going to say it. I don't care. It's the last days. If the preacher's gay, if the preacher's married to a man, that's antichrist. Oh, don't worry about it. They'll get me. They'll get me for that. Well, I mean, one day they'll be throwing us in prisons for simply saying that's the word of God. Listen, God loves homosexual people. He's going to save them. I believe that's the next big revival. But God hates the lie. And most of them are believing the lie. The lie is that you have to be this way. That you have no choice but to be this way. That's a lie of the devil. God came to save you and to save you to the uttermost. And the Bible says such were some of you. But we're not anymore. That's the truth. That God wants to save you and deliver you from that. Yes. It's a terrible life. And it's a terrible description of the life. Gay means happy. And I'll be honest with you. I've had friends who were almost like very good friends of mine. I work with them. Um, and when you actually get to talk to them, they're some of the most sad and depressed and lonely people that there are. And many of them are broken. And many of them are that way, not really of their own choice, but kind of life abuse brought them that way. And, and we as Christians have to have compassion and love for them. And, but we, in that compassion and love, we have to say, you're broken. 
And I was broken. And I'm still broken in a lot of ways. But Jesus Christ died for you because he loves you. That's the gospel. That's the truth. And the Bible says that uh, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. What is the power of godliness? What is the power that we have? The power of the church is the cross. And the cross means we die where he died. He laid down his life and we lay down our lives. And then the cross, when we believe that Jesus Christ took our place, it has the power to deliver us completely. It will deliver you from drugs. It will deliver you from alcohol. It will deliver you from a spirit of homosexuality. It will deliver you from a spirit of depression. It will deliver you to the uttermost because Jesus did it all and he did it all perfectly. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. There is the true Jesus, the true Messiah, the biblical Christ found in the scriptures being preached, declared in true churches among true believers. And praise God, we are in one of them. Praise God, we are in one of them. Listen, I'm not at upper room lightly. The Lord led me here, number one. But number two, this was a place where that teaches the truth. And we might get it wrong every once in a while. We're not all great Bible scholars, and even those of us who really like to study, we get it wrong too. That's not what it's talking about. We have a love for the truth. And we want more truth. Because the truth that we have, we love it. And we want more of it. We want more of Jesus Christ. And that heart right there. If you have that heart, you cannot be deceived. You love Him. But if you love unrighteousness, you will be deceived. And if there is a Jesus being preached other than the Jesus of the Bible, it is an antichrist. And the spirit behind the preaching is the spirit of antichrist. The Apostle John said in 1 John 4, 2 through 6, I will try to close with this. I hope I'm not taking too much of your time, but I want to share this with you. Sister, give me a nod. I know you, you don't care. You want to hear this. You got your pen out. Hallelujah. Praise God. By this, you, I love to see you here, Sister Victoria. By this, you know, and you too, Mark. We all love you too, Mark. Mark's like, I'm, who are you? I'm Sister Victoria's husband. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Have we met? Yes, I'm Sister Victoria's husband. I, I felt the same way. Everybody loves Lonnie. They tolerate Ricky. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than you, than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Church of the living God. Don't seek to be recognized and approved by the world. That doesn't mean we don't seek peace and harmony. But we are servants of God. And if we try to serve man, we are not servants of God. The world will hate you and reject you because it hated and rejected him. And that's the world as a whole. The ones who are his will hear his voice. 
And that's who we're going after. We're going after the ones that he already knows that's mine. That's my child holding the pride flag in Hillcrest, going down and waving the Hillcrest pride flag. That's my child. And you may not think that's his child, but he says that's my child. And when that child hears the voice of the Father, he's coming. He's coming home. Praise God. And we weren't any better. I wasn't any better. And I'm still not any better. Hallelujah. Except by the righteousness of God. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We are declaring the word of God for those who are his. Who will hear his voice. We are not getting in line with the world so that they give us all kinds of accolades. And I tell you, if they're publishing articles about what a great church you are and the great that you're doing in the world, you better recheck what you're preaching. Because the world is the enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. He's coming to replace this world. And when I say world, I don't mean the earth. I mean the world system. The system of the world, okay? Um, and if we look along with this uh, in 1 John chapter 2, we see three types of Antichrist. And we already talked a little bit about them. There is the Antichrist, who is one specific person, and he is coming. And he will come when he is no longer restrained by the one who is restraining him. You are the one who is restraining him. I know people have said, well, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be taken out. Brother, you can't take the Holy Spirit out of anything. Holy Spirit's in hell, and he's on the farthest side of the moon, and he's at the end of the universe, and he's outside of the end of the universe. Holy Spirit is not being taken out of the earth. But the church will stop restraining. They will stop fighting. And, and many who call themselves Christian will believe the lie and will become apostate. And the ones who are left... We'll be left. Say, well, brother, does that make you a pre-trib rapture believer? Does that make you a mid-trib rapture believer or a post-trib rapture believer? I know somebody's going to ask, ask that. So I'm going to tell you right now, I am none of those. I am a pan-trib, pan-trib day of the Lord believer. I believe the day of the Lord is coming, and that's when Jesus Christ comes back. And it'll all pan out in the end, praise God. <laughs> So there is the Antichrist, the one specific person. That is the final manifestation, the fulfillment of the spirit of Antichrist, which has not yet been revealed, but is coming. And I believe he may very well be on the planet right now. The scripture makes it clear there will be one final person, the embodiment of evil, the most powerful ruler in history who will rule the world for a short time. And then there is the spirit of Antichrist, which is already here. And it's a spirit that operates through every Antichrist. And John has given us marks of the spirit of Antichrist. And what did we talk about? They went out from us. The Antichrist will have been raised as a Christian, or at least he will say he was. Right? He has to come out from truth. There has to be an apostasy. So they went out from us, but they were not of us. He, so the Antichrist will begin in some way among the people of God. But it does not really belong there and in time will be made manifest. This is one mark of the spirit of Antichrist and I believe it is the mark, one of the marks of the Antichrist. And the second is that it denies that Jesus 
is the Messiah. And this is very important because Antichrist does not deny the existence of God. In fact, he claims to be God and claims to be God's representative. But he denies that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Uh, can I tell you, and this is how we're going to end for now. There's a doctrine in many churches, and it's prevalent in our society. It is the idea that all religions lead to God. Um, Buddhism leads to God. Islam leads to God. Being a good person with good morals or good intentions leads to God and all will go to heaven eventually. And this is denying the Father and the Son. This doctrine comes from the spirit of Antichrist. As the Lord Jesus himself said in John 14, 1 through 6, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, and this will end, hallelujah, or, yeah, praise God, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, Ani haderech v'ha'imet v'ha'im. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's either a liar or he is the only way. He's the only truth. He is the only life. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your truth and help us to love your truth, to buy the truth, to sell it not, to not look at any other deception, any other falsity, God, any other counterfeit, Lord. We pray, God, that you will hide, uh, you will hide your, will hide your truth in our hearts, that we will believe in you and that you will hide us and keep us under your mighty hand. Help your church to know that we are in the last days, that we are the warriors, we are the army of the Lord in the last days, ready to do your will, ready to do your purpose, as revealed according to your word, Lord, we pray. And I ask that we will have the spirit of truth that's in our hearts, that is greater than he that is in the world, the spirit of Antichrist, and that we will believe you and we will love you and in loving you, we will love righteousness, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart